You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clay. Welcome in, folks, to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Clem, alongside my sidekick, Kevin Langley. We have a decent show today. This one's going to be a lot less breaking news and a lot more um, opinion and discussion. Because, you know, free agency is basically wrapped up. We had, like, the last guy signed last night, Perriman, to the Jets. We had, like, five minutes ago, we had uh, Xavier Rhodes signing with the Colts. Um... There was another wide receiver who got signed last night. Kev, help me out here. Dante Moncrief? Uh, who did he sign with? Uh, I think... No, Devin Funches, sorry. Devin Funches is going to Green Bay, which is hysterical. Um, There was one more speed guy who got signed. Robbie Anderson to... Carolina. Uh, Carolina. We talked about that one. So, yeah, all right. NFL free agency is done. And I was on the coward today. And he actually had a pretty good segment. I'm kind of... Not pirate. I'm, I, I'm kind of like, you know, using it a little bit because I like where his head was at because he had a, he had an idea. It said, what is free agency telling you about teams? And next week, me and Kev are going to debate. We're going to do a we're going to do a, a post free agency. Not records preview, but standings. So, like, who's going to finish in first, second, third? Because I was on I don't even know whose podcast was on last week or I was talking to somebody and I said, listen, I could so see, like, New York and Dallas both finish with 8-8 eight eight records. And they're like, really? I'm like, yes. And they're like, you're insane. I'm like, no. Am I really, though? Because their defense went, got worse. But anyway. All right. We're going to kick off. Kevin, what is your What is the Indianapolis Colts? What are they trying to do based off their free agent moves? Phil Rivers, Xavier Rhodes, DeForest Buckner. What is your vibe on Indianapolis? What are they doing? What's their direction? Where do you think this is going? I think – I think they're just they're trying to get that defense even better. Their defense was pretty good last year at times. I think their def- moves on the defensive side of the ball were made sense considering what they wanted to do. And I think having Philip Rivers back there is an upgrade right now over uh, Jacoby Brissett. And I think with their their basic mindset, I think is okay. Our defense is good enough to keep scoring relatively low. We'll have a quarterback who has experience knows what he's doing back there and has played in not a Super Bowl, but some big games. Yeah. I think that in that mindset, it is an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. Also rivers as much as he's old, he's still got a cannon. Oh yeah. All right. My opinion in Indianapolis is one, they want a quarterback more arm talent. They got it. I agree with the defense loading up as well. I also think, they are going to go take – because they don't have a first-round pick anymore. They traded it to uh, San Fran. I have a feeling they're going to go take a Fromm or an Eason or maybe a Jalen Hurts and sit him behind Rivers for a year and a half or a year, whatever it is, and let him develop with that nasty defense in Marlon Mack in the backfield. I like the move. I like what they're doing. This is as long as they pull the quarterback they want. Because I think that there are going to be some hidden gems in the later rounds. I think Eason is going to be a lot better than people think. And I think that Jalen Hurts is going to have a solid career if he's allowed to develop on the bench a little bit. Any retort? Um, I think if they put – with Jalen Hurts, I think he also has to be in the right system. I think if they're trying to build a system around Phillip Rivers on the fly, I don't think Jalen Hurts will – So maybe a Jacob Eason would be better. I think that would be a better option. I think Jalen Hurts would need either a team that's completely starting from scratch or doesn't really have a system around it like the Patriots right now. Vegas seems like they don't – they have Josh Jacobs, but doesn't really seem like they have much of a system. They have system a good tight end, and they have a good running back. basically it. Yeah, so I think Jalen Hurts to Indy is not a great choice, but what do I know? All righty. All right, next up. Cleveland Browns. I'll, I'll start this one off here. I think the Browns are basically trying to say, we had about 70% of the pieces. Let's fix the rest of the holes we've got and see if we can like duke it out with uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. I'm not sold on Mayfield. 
but he's better than a lot of other quarterbacks in this league. They have a great defense, great pass rush, great secondary, and they fixed their tight end their tight end problem because Njoku can't stay healthy, and they fixed their, one of their tackles. Jack Cochran's a good uh, tackle. I like what they're, they're, they're doing going forward. I think that was basically, it was just like, let's plug the holes. Let's see if we can make this Baker thing work. Yeah, I think regardless of the moves that Cleveland makes, I mean, these aren't as splashy as last offseason, <laughs> but I feel like it's hard to trust Cleveland. Well, I know. I'm just saying that's where they're trying to give this one shot. Let's see if we can load up and do this. Like Kevin Stefanski, hopefully he's a half-decent coach. I mean, Kev, you and me can probably out-coach Freddie Kitchens at this point. So It's true. I also think um, if Cleveland has any success, it'll be for a year or two. They're not going to win a Super Bowl, and then they're going to go back to being terrible the next year. Oh, same here. Because Baltimore is going to be like this for the next five, ten years. I have a weird feeling that Cincinnati, if they handle this Joe Burrow thing correctly, even half correctly, they're going to be a good team in four, three or four years. It's just going to take – it's going to be some growing pains. Because I love – I like Burrow as a prospect. I don't love him as much as I love Justin Herbert or Tua or um, Jordan Love. But I still love uh, – what's this? I still love Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be a solid quarterback. I think this QB draft class is miles ahead of what last year's was. Sure. So. I think Joe Burrow is the safe pick for right now. He is what we thought Baker was going to be. A little more mobile, a little more polished, but basically the same format. Good accuracy, okay arm, winning program, won some big games in college, has a little swagger to him. Unlike Baker, is more mobile, does not have the police issue, does not like the off-field stuff, and is more of a natural leader and bigger body. Yeah, but I not just that, but just safer in terms of Tua. You don't know how well he can hold up. You don't know... Yeah. Could he have a setback with his hip? Herbert and Love, they are not NFL ready. No, they need five or six games behind a quarterback minimum. And you know why? That's why I love that they're not the top two guys getting taken. I think Love needs a whole season. Oh, no, no. I think he needs some home treatment. And I think Justin Herbert needs to go behind a semi-decent backup. That's why I think him to Miami is the smartest move. Because he'll sit behind Fitzpatrick for at least five, six games. And as much as you think Fitzpatrick is a kind of a, a joke, with Brian Flores as head coach, that's a great situation for him. Same with Tua. Also, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick for five or six games is MVP caliber play, if we're being exactly. honest. Exactly. So there you go. But, but I, I don't think that's enough for Herbert. I think Herbert needs at least most of a season or 14 games before a team gets knocked out of the playoffs and then you put him in for experience. Is it weird that the, the the quarterback with the lowest possible ceiling is the one that's going to get drafted first overall? No, because I think that ceiling's still pretty high. It's high, but like I can see Herbert, Tua, Love, and Easton's ceilings, and even if you want to throw your boy Jalen Hurts in there, their ceilings are real high. It's risky and it's not guaranteed, but they're. The boom for your the the bang or the boomer bust, it's like the peaks are higher. I guess is the way I'm looking at it. But I think when you're taking your first overall pick, you want them to be able to step in day one and play. Which and her, think, which 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 um Burrow can do. Burrow's the only one. Yes, I that, think skill wise can, but again with that hip. Unless like a team had a great old line traded up, that's the only way I could see like Herbert or even. To our even Herbert getting a shot. For I would not start to a week one. I would not start to a week one. I won't start Herbert week one. I wouldn't start Jordan Love until week 16. But, you know, we're living in a different league now. It's not like back in the day where you used to sit a quarterback for a year. Um, I mean, but look at the last two quarterbacks to do that. There are our last two MVPs. True. Maybe we should go back to doing that. I know the last quarterback that actually had a good career and he started every he started started in week one was Wentz, and I guess Dak too. But like Dak, you've seen like Wentz has been hit with freak injuries, but Dak's more or less like his ceiling's low and he kind of got thrown into it because Roma got hurt. Golf was yeah, awful. I mean, golf was golf was awful. Uh, Matt Ryan. Yeah, Matt Ryan was good, but also Matt Ryan had a loaded team that year. 
That was a young Julio Jones, Roddy White, Tony Gonzalez. I think they still had worked. I don't even know how they had worked on at that point. That was 06. Yeah, 08. 08, yeah. That was uh, DJX's rookie year, so. No, I'm just saying, like, who guys who started week one and then had a half-decent career. I, I mean, Matt Ryan won an MVP. Years, but yeah, you're right. Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco. Did Joe Flacco start day one? I think he started day one because they got rid of Kyle Bowler that offseason. Jesus. Or no, Kyle Bowler, then Steve McNair. And then I think they had one year with like a crap quarterback. And then they got a. Uh... Yeah, Flacco started week one. Yeah, that's, right, that's what I thought. <clears throat> All right. Speaking of new quarterbacks starting week one, uh, Carolina. Notable offseason, notable offseason acquisitions were Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, PJ Walker from the XFL, and I'm missing one, aren't I? Um, there is another quarterback. No, they just have Will Greer. Yeah. All right. So and they traded away uh, Kyle Allen. <clears throat> so Carolina is telling me. They want the opposite of Cam Newton. Teddy Bridgewater is not flashy. He's not overly athletic. He's athletic enough. Like, he can still scramble, but he's not. Dude got his knee basically blown apart. Okay arm. Great accuracy. Doesn't make mistakes. All business. Basically, he's the polar opposite of Cam Newton. And I kind of – and then they go and get Robbie Anderson, a guy who can make a lot of moves after the catch along with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. I like it. Yeah? I, I think it will be interesting. I'm I, – I don't know how well the team will do without Cam Newton just because for almost a decade now they were building that team around him. And I know last offseason – or last season, they kind of went away from that, but it's going to take a couple years to get a decent team who can play to Teddy Bridgewater's strengths. I have a, I have a hot take. What is your hot take? They're going six and ten. Not hot. It's like it's like not lukewarm, but it's like I put it in the microwave for like forty five seconds and it should be in for about a minute. Kind of take. Yeah. It's a warm take. But like, here's the reason. Yeah, you have McCaffrey and you have all these great receivers. But here's the problem. That defense is still not great. Yeah, you got Bradbury, but Matt Rule's also a rookie coach. He's going to make mistakes. If And you also are in a division with Tommy Brady, Drew Brees, who just got another weapon. And then you also have to deal with Atlanta, who might actually have 11, 11 former first-rounders starting week one, which I think is hysterical. Yeah, but I think they're, most of those first-rounders aren't on their prior team for a reason. Oh, I know. Well, one of them being girly, but, you know. <clears throat> but a lot of them are – like, a lot of those offensive linemen are, like, you know, drafted by Atlanta. But here's the thing. It's like – I would – if I'm going to go records, I would go, all right. I would have Carol, I would have Carolina go 6-10. and 10, Atlanta and Tampa duking out 10-6, and 9-7. And, and then I, have, I would have New Orleans going 11-5. Because they're that there is a top heavy division. The three guys at the top and the one crap team. There's gonna be one team who's gonna take a beating. It's it's the Panthers, unfortunately. Is, but is the NFC South maybe the most loaded con, uh, division in terms of football or quarterbacks? I mean that we've seen. Yeah, when your worst quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. Especially, and it's not like they're all mediocre quarterbacks and just all, like, middle of the road. It's, no, it's like you got, you know, the GOAT. You've got the other, like, semi-GOAT. And then you have Matt Ryan, who's not bad at all. He's pretty good. He didn't be, probably be an all-timer. It's just like he's known for choking. Which is kind of unfair to him. That's partially just... Uh, Kyle Shannon. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I think Carolina's going to struggle a lot. I think Teddy Bridgewater wasn't the answer. I think they, they still need to go out and get a quarterback, but they'll learn that. Next up, we're staying in the south. Uh, Tampa Bay. Kev, what you got? I mean, 
they're the story of the offseason, going out getting the GOAT. I think it'll be interesting to see how he'll <laughs> do. I think one of two things will happen. Tampa Bay's offensive line will improve, whether their players just develop more or they get help. And Tom Brady will threaten the passing records at 43 years old. I know it sounds crazy, but I think he can do it. I mean, he threw 500 yards in the Super Bowl three years ago. I, I could see anything happening at this point. Or Tampa Bay doesn't get offensive line help, and Tom Brady tears his ACL week one again. That's a little extreme, but I could see it happen. I mean, here's I would the thing. Say- People are saying, like, oh, the Bucks offensive line last year was about on par with the Patriots. I still think the Patriots are better, had a better offensive line, because James Winston Winston is a lot more mobile (laughs) than Tom Brady. Also, there were a lot of plays. You watch James' tapes, him, like, scrambling, chucking the ball out and throwing it off his back foot. Like, people got to remember, like, James has a certain style about him. And Brady is not that at all. No, Tom Brady is a lot more careful with the football. Probably one of his many boom plays, but will be more consistent. True. I just hope that, uh, I hope the Bucks sign Antonio Brown. I want to see that. That'd be hysterical. Just so many weapons and Brady having no time to get it to him. I that, think you need to go get uh, the guy from Carolina or Jason Peters. If Jason Peters was going to go to any other team, send him to Tampa, let him block for the GOAT. I don't feel as bad. They should con- constantly be on the phone with Washington about getting Trent Williams. Oh, yeah, no, totally. But the problem is the, the Redskins still somehow think they're going to keep him. I read they're starting to take calls <laughs> on him. Well, okay, finally, thank God. Because yeah, the, the biggest thing was irritating me last year around the deadline. I think I heard it was like nine teams called about Trent Williams within the first hour of the trade deadline. And no, and they're like, no, 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 we're keeping Trent. He's going to play. If I were the Bucks, I would just call up Washington and be like, hey, if you have an offer on the table for Trent Williams you're going to take, call us first. We'll beat it. Two first-rounders, you got it right there. We'll block for the go for two years. <clears throat> or at least a first and a second. I would do that for Trent. Yeah, because the defense needs some help, but they can get a decent running back in the fourth round. Well, they do have Ronald Jones. He's not bad by any stretch. No, but I think there are better options that to be had in the third. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, there's going to be good running backs. Like the kid at LSU, he'll be there in the fourth round. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think his yes. name is. I mean, the only running back I can see taken day one is um, Swift. That's it. Jonathan Taylor will be there day two. So will uh, J.K. Dobbins. There's one more running back whose name I cannot think, remember at this point. Okay, Makers out of Florida State, who would definitely fit Tampa's system. But, um, yeah. So, Tampa is going to be interesting. All right, staying in Florida, Miami Dolphins. Kevin, what do you think of the Finns right now? Because I have an interesting take. I've been saying this for about a week now. <clears throat> I think the Finns are winning the AFC East. All right. I think this move shows they're willing to spend money. They want to win now. They got rid of the malcontents who didn't want to play or weren't buying into the system Brian Flores was trying to. They won five games when they probably should have won one at most last year. Finns, AFC East champs. Oh, I agree. I also think they might take a shut swing at Cam Newton for like a one-year prove-it deal. Like, hey, Cam, we only play here one year. Light it up. Get out of here. Go play somewhere else while we develop a quarterback behind you. If I'm Cam Newton, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Because, like, I don't know, like, nobody's from an offer yet. If I were Miami, I'd be on the phone. Hey, Cam, come get in here. Come work out. Get your stuff done. Get it, get paid for your next contract and get out. I would do it. Yeah, I think it would also depend on what other teams are offering them. But that, I think that might be best situation for them. 
All right, my take on, on Miami is this. They are going to win the division, but they're going to also get in a lot of shootouts. Because I think Byron Jones was the biggest overpay of the offseason. I loved every other move they made, but I think they overshot the gun on Byron Jones. I don't know. Did I make this point to you on Xbox or on here? Because I can We talk a lot. I don't know where I made this point about him. The interception number is scaring me. Oh no! It's my boy Jeffrey. Shout out, listener to the show. I was gonna say I don't remember that. <clears throat> All right. I said to Jeffrey the other day, and you guys know my buddy Jeffrey Nunez, big supporter of the show, always texting me questions, all this stuff. He asked me, "Why are you not pissed about losing on Byron Jones as an Eagles fan?" I said, "Well, here's a problem. He has one interception in his last three years." He also, it wasn't like there was a lockdown corner on the other side or like, it, like he wasn't getting the ball thrown at him. There was something like he was a lockdown corner for one year. Like I'm missing, what am I missing here? Like last year he regressed so badly. Like it's not like the defensive personnel changed that much. Actually got better. So what am I missing? Byron Jones on tape though never really strikes me as elite. Like, the numbers and efficiency ratings that in 2018 said he was. But I'm staring at it, and I'm like, there's something I'm missing here. Oh, wait. He doesn't make big plays. His reaction speed is good, but it almost seems like he's always using that reaction speed to play catch-up. Whereas other cornerbacks, not going to name names yet, are more, they're glued to your hip and then make the play. Even if they're not as fast as you are. So I, I don't know, I just, Byron Jones, I feel like he's such a freak athlete, but I feel like he's so, his technique is so raw. I don't think he's that good of a cornerback. But I love every other move they made because they weren't all flashy moves. Like my guy, Camille Grugier-Hill from Philly, he's a special teams ace, and he's a fast outside linebacker in a 4-3 system. You, he also can play middle in a pinch. Jordan Howard, grinder running back, can take hits. He also kind of like, you know, after Miles Sanders exploded, he kind of just was like, yeah, nah, fam, I ain't playing no more. But I will admit, the guy's got talent. He's a grinder. He can bang out yards. He's only also 26. So he got about four more years left of the shelf on him. I mean, he also, also the Devontae Parker. Byron Jones last year only defended six passes. They're not throwing to him. Either that or what, what was his player efficient? What was the catch? What was the yards against receiving yards against rating? Um, let me see. I'm not sure. Keep talking. I'll get back to you. Well, that that was my that was my point because when we when Philly played him, they attacked. They went after him. When I saw New York play him, they went after him. They're, like teams were not throwing away from Byron Jones. I just don't think he was making plays. And remember, passes defended. Kevin are only passes he gets a hand on and knocks down. Yeah, um, 69 targets allowed. So 15, about 16% of the time he's targeted. Defended four and 33 routes. So I'm looking to see. Only allowed 1.03 yards per like target separation. Allowed 33 catches for 351 yards. It's not awful, but I don't know. I also feel like he's that's that's still not numbers. I also when I look at a cornerback, yeah, it's great when you can shut down a guy or like you know when like they'll throw away from you because you got a reputation. But like make a play. I like guys who make plays, and Byron Jones doesn't make plays. I mean, also the Dolphins though, considering their roster was pretty much rock bottom at the beginning of last year, they don't necessarily just need guys to make plays. They need guys who can consistently play. And oh, no, he's Jones. a gamer. He's a competitor. I just don't think he's an elite cornerback where he got paid elite corner money. There's always guys like that, though. Yeah, well, come on. My team threw Byron Maxwell, like, $85 million for four years. Didn't your team give Alshon Jeffrey $52 million for three years? We're working on it, all right? Are you, though? I don't know, because apparently we're not cutting him yet, and it's making me very irritating. All right, speaking of um, irritating, my Philadelphia Eagles actually didn't irritate me this offseason. The first two days, I was a nervous wreck, just ask Kevin. But then I woke up on, I believe it was Thursday morning, or Friday morning, whenever they made the move, 
Kev, and I got a notification, ESPN, the Byron Jones deal. I was happy as hell. I was ecstatic. I was jumping around. I felt great. And you know what? They got Hardgrave, who's going to go right alongside Mr. Fletcher Cox. And then they went out and got Will Parks. Name doesn't sound familiar. He was uh, the other good safety in Denver. Fast as all hell. Philly native. He's a good player. He's not going to be like elite, but he's a, he's with Mills and McLeod. He's a good kind of, they don't need a stud back there. They just need guys who stay healthy and make plays. And the move they made today, Kevin, the move they made today told me how he's in business. They got Nikhil, Romy Col- Ro- Nikhil Roby Coleman. The, you know, he's the infamous guy who laid the stick during the uh, uh, pass interference call against the uh, Saints, I believe. Or it might have been John Johnson. I can't remember. He was involved in that play, though. Elite level nickel guy. Played for the Rams last couple years. Signs of Philly for a $1.8 million deal. I love it because that secondary looks a lot better today than it did two weeks ago. What does this tell me? Philadelphia knows if they can rush the passer and play coverage, they can beat you. Because Wentz is a good – they're going to go out and get weapons for Wentz, but that means they're keeping they're keeping Jackson, of course. I don't know what they're doing with Jeffrey. They have found their elite running their elite talent running back in Sanders. I don't know if he's going to fulfill that talent, but he has the elite talent level. They still have Boston Scott, last year's fun surprise, and they have the best tight end duo in the league. That's a team that can win the NFC East with ease. And if they go get like a CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, whoever – they're allowed to develop behind those big, those uh, veteran receivers that Philly has already, along with Whiteside and Greg Ward and Deontay Burnett. That's a solid roster. So I love what Philly did. I, I still give it only a, a B plus because there was no offensive help at all. But I love. Also, I really liked letting Malcolm Jenkins go. I'll say it. He's old. He's. You saw a little bit of a drop off last year. He wasn't making the plays. And I feel like New Orleans overpaid for him a lot. Yeah, I think – I hope, honestly, because you're real big on all these receivers in this draft, I really hope the Eagles don't take a receiver. <laughs> oh, go, we're going to build our defense. I would drink myself onto the table. Kevin gets a FaceTime at 4 a.m. Jared, where are you? Oh, I think I'm in a cave. Jared, that's underneath your bed. Uh, 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 okay, okay, I'm going back to bed. Um, I, I like some of these moves they made. I like them a lot. Darius Slay move really helps. You know, it's a three-year deal. <laughs> he, he He's 29 years old. They're not paying him to be like play until he's 35. There is one glaring issue that I have with this move. What? With this offseason for them. And you're going to hate, you're going to yell at me for saying this. Their backup quarterback spot is atrocious. Yeah, it's nice, Sudfeld. Not great. Nate Sudfeld, Kyle Willetta. No, Philly's one of those teams that needs one of those backups in the league who's just a great backup, but you never want to start. Like a Chase Daniel. Like a Chase Daniel. Someone who can come in for a couple of games and isn't going to lose you the game. Because I know you say he's not injury prone. I know that you say they're all cheap shots, but it it's a theme. It continues to happen to him. They need to have a plan in place that is not, we're just going to run the wildcat with Miles Sanders. I know. Hopefully they go out and get like a from and just have him sit behind Wentz or something. Cause you know what? Or maybe they'll go call up, uh, they'll, they'll call up, uh, some old back guy who's about to retire. Like, Hey, listen, you want to come play with us for a year? I don't know. Bring How Favre out of retirement. What? Bring Favre out of retirement for all I, I care. love Oh, by the way, yeah, him and Peterson are like best friends. That'd be hysterical. All right. Okay, I don't wish for injuries on players, but I kind of want to see Wentz go down now to see Favre come out of retirement. Don't say that to me, man. I need my boy to play. All right. Uh, speaking of NFCs, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, notable moves, they franchise Dak. They signed our Terry Poe, and they threw a mega contract at Amari Cooper. But they also lost Byron Jones and a few other uh, – another cornerback whose name is – I cannot pronounce at this point. 
It's not a Wuzia. He's still on the roster, but they're they're nickel guy they lost. I don't know. What was your opinion on Dallas? Um, I love the Cooper deal. I think five years, hundred mil on paper looks like a lot of money and terrifying, but Cooper's still pretty young. And if they're committed to Dak for the long term, you can't say there wasn't a change in the team's performance once Amari Cooper came in. Oh no. I think that was a necessary move to make. But also they it was rumored they offered Dak thirty five million dollars a year. Somebody's got to get in that boy's head and tell him he's not worth more than that. Yeah, he turned it down. The rumor oh, you're not getting, you, Dak, you're not getting over 35. You're not worth over 20. Yeah, I don't think he's over worth over 15. You can find another game manager. He's not. He doesn't do anything great on paper, honestly. I'm like, oh, Dak's better than Wentz. I'm like, how? If you gave Dak Wentz's receivers last year, Dak would have finished six, like 3-13. I think Dak's a good quarterback. He's a guy that if he's on your team, you're not like, oh, we need a new quarterback. He's a solid NFL starter. But he's a game manager. He's a game manager. Yes, he's – I hate using the word. He's Alex Smith. He's Alex Smith. I he think is, Alex Smith is better than him. That actually I believe too because Alex Smith actually had an arm younger later earlier in his career. I think Alex Smith now, even after the debilitating leg injury, is a better quarterback. Jesus you folks, you think I hate on Dak? Welcome to Kevin. Kevin drives the Dak hate fan club. Oh, I only hate him. If he said, you know what, I'll just take whatever you give me, I'll sign long term, I wouldn't hate him as much. But he needs to understand what he's worth, and he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, like Emmett Smith, what he said about the $22 million and just like win the rest back in endorsements, because yes, he's the Cowboys quarterback. There's a certain level of endorsements you get. Like, let, let's look at his competitors. What endorsement deals does Jared Goff have? Nothing, except for maybe local stuff. Carson Wentz is only like endorsement deal. He he's like the spokesman for the hunting section of Amazon of Amazon.com, which is incredible, by the That's way. That's awesome. Are you kidding me? Like him and his brother are like the like the spokesman for it, which I think is amazing. Also, I think Wentz is like a small deal with Nike. Yeah, I feel like though Dak, if Dak ever complains about not getting pre- um endorsement deals. That's like Kawhi Leonard. He's like Dan. He's, he's like Danon already, and like I think uh, Campbell's chunky maybe, or is that Saquon? I think it's Saquon now, but it, I do remember Dak in those commercials. I think. Yeah, Dak also. Yeah, I know he had he had one with his brothers. They also has the Dan and uh, Oinkos yogurt. Yeah, but like Dak isn't an outspoken player. He's not a media draw. It's just because he's in Dallas. Yeah, he's the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, and somebody needs to stop gassing him up, telling him he's better than he really is. I appreciate the ego and uh, the confidence in himself, but it's like, like, come on, dude went to Mississippi State. He should know he's not that great of a quarterback. Oof, shot. Even I did beat your Crimson Tide. Did he? Yeah. Oh, what was that, 2014? Yeah, it was the year before you went there. I believe. They might have, but because I do know they were – like number one in the college ball playoff polls when they first came out ever and then didn't make, no, they lost to Alabama that year. So they won. No, Dak was the quarterback one year when they played Alabama and they beat him. Are you sure? up as I move on to Kev's team, the New England Patriots. See, I have a conspiracy theory about them, but I'm going to get out to that later. My being the Patriots, they're tanking. They're stripping it down. Bill Smart, he's gonna say, hey, listen, we gotta land some draft picks. We gotta get some young guys. He knows Jared Stidham is not the future. That's what I think the best case scenario is for uh, New England. They just let a bunch of guys go. They didn't feel like paying them. And I'm even hearing the Detroit they might even try to move Gilmore. They're not. Also, yes, no, Dak Prescott never beat Alabama. Okay, so where – no, he beat whoever was the other uh, number one ACC t- SEC team that year. Because he did beat whoever was number one that year, and it was crazy. They were number one in the country for like a minute. 
I'll look it up. But I was like, that doesn't sound right. No, but they beat whoever was number one in the ACC that year. It may have been Ole Miss, for all I know, or uh, LSU, or Auburn, or... They beat Auburn when they were number two. That was what it was. And it was like a big thing, because they weren't even ranked. Mississippi State was ranked third. Who the hell they... Okay, maybe on my brains is... All... LSU. Ah, there it is. They beat eighth-ranked eighth ranked LSU when they were ranked unranked. Then they beat sixth-ranked A&M when they were 12th. Then they beat two-ranked Auburn when they were third, then lost to fourth-ranked Alabama when they were one. That's and dropped to eight by the end of the season, which is hysterical. Uh, that's what I remember. Okay. So, Kev, what is your opinion on your Patriots? What are they doing? I have no idea. <laughs> Not a clue what is going on in Foxborough right now. Because they're letting all these key defensive guys go i don't think they're tanking because they kept devin mccordy around and if they were tanking they would have let him go or traded him or something i do think bill belichick believes in jared stidham long term but i don't think he's the answer right now which i don't like that we don't have a better quarterback option for this season there's rumors yeah, that Brian <laughs> There's rumors they're going to get Cam Newton. I don't want Cam Newton. There's rumors, Watson, I heard Deshaun Watson rumors that, that were starting to emerge today. I'm like, huh, that might get Cam traded a first and a second this year for Deshaun Watson. I would be thrilled. I would love my life. Kev, if that happened, I would break the quarantine rules and drive up and do a shot of whiskey with you on your front lawn. Can I hold you to that? Yes. All right, cool. It may be closer to the end of the quarantine, but it will be. I will do it. Or you could drive down here because my parent, your adopted parents, want to see you. That's true. Well, at least someone's mom loves me. Oh my god. Because we all know it isn't mine. Oh my. And he's back, folks. He took two months, a month or so, but he got back with another mom joke. All right. Hey, look. I matched the girl on Tinder, and she mentioned how she was a Bills fan, and I mentioned my mom was a Bills fan, and I didn't make a joke, so I had to get one out somehow. And for the reference, for the record, folks, when he snapped me this, I was, I had a few, I was a little inebriated. I was drinking my brother-in-law and my dad. We were having a couple of drinks after dinner, and Kevin texted me this, and I never thought I'd be so proud of a guy for telling a girl he didn't have mom issues on Tinder that I ever went with Kevin. So proud. I, I should have just made the joke anyway. She told me she didn't want to keep talking because she's too stressed out about coronavirus and online classes, which is just a load of. BS. For listeners, she's a master's student, so it's not like. She's like a freshman in college. Even then, I have I have I, I've lost a friendship already to a master's degrees. Yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll, that's that's just another issue together. All right, last but not least, Baltimore, the most loaded team in the AFC probably now, Baltimore, who found a way to get better in the offseason. Uh, they went and got Calais Campbell. They re-signed Jimmy Smith. They did. They lost Seth Roberts, but they'd made some. They had made another move on offense, Kev. I can't think of it right now. Oh, the, oh, I know what you're talking about. Oh, they traded Hayden Hurst. Yes. Who'd you say they signed? Uh, they re-signed Jimmy Smith. Well, they, they signed someone else. They retraded. They traded for Calais Campbell. Yeah, and then signed him. I thought they got someone else though. Nope. Apparently not. Oh, they lost Marshall Yanda. That's what it was, I think. Yeah. I think the Ravens' offseason moves are okay. I think Clay's Campbell's a big add, but I feel like that offense, they didn't add much. And as of right now, that offense was a one-trick pony. Yes, Lamar Jackson's a good thrower, a better thrower than people thought he would be at this point. They have Hollywood Brown. They have that three Heisman set they like to run with RG3 and Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson, obviously. But it still is going to be a run-heavy team. And look at, for example, look at the Titans. They're a run-heavy team. They ran through the AFC, including Baltimore. But once they got to a team, it was like, oh, let's try to stop the run against these guys. It's You can't do much beyond that. And I understand that 
Lamar Jackson's dynamic. He's explosive, elusive, all those buzzwords people like to use. But it's it takes one hit and he's gone. And then what does your offense have? No, you're right. And the the issue that I have with the Ravens is that, yes, they had a good offense, but they need to go get one more uh, threat outside in the offseason. They need to go get a big physical receiver. They need to, I think a perfect fit for them is T. Higgins. A big wide open target that is going to separate even a Denzel Mims out of Baylor as well. Two guys that are big, get open, and get downfield. Perfect for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I, I, still, I still think they're going to win the AFC. Because I think Kansas City is going to slide a little bit this year. Because they just they were very fortunate. They were the last healthy team, and they also took on a worn-out Tennessee roster. See, I disagree. I think I think Kansas City last year was worse than two years ago. I think this might be a bounce-back year for Kansas City, which is terrifying. I think they're going to be still like a top two or three seed, but I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. I would be surprised. I can see them getting a running back in the draft. Oh, no. I think the perfect fit for them is J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor. Oh, Jonathan Taylor would make that offense unbeatable. Because that four, he is 4-4 four, four speed, which I didn't even think was a thing, and apparently it is. So we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be a Kansas City-Baltimore. Um, the Tennessee maybe might get back in. Uh, Houston's decided to stop being competitive. Uh, maybe toss Pittsburgh in there. Miami, Buffalo. AFC's gonna look weird this year. No, it's. I I feel like just because you said that, we're going to see like a Dolphins Raiders AFC championship. That'd be hysterical. I would not complain. Look, I don't want them to. I feel like I can't say this because they're an AFC's team. But if the Dolphins won the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be mad. Oh, I wouldn't either. I'd be like, that's awesome. Like, good for you. <laughs> but, like, in the NFC, the NFC is so weird because it's like, if we're looking at because we're not with the free agency at this point. We just have a couple more quick things and we'll get off. But the NFC, you in the East, you have Philly. The South, you have three teams that can make the playoffs. With New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and Atlanta. Out West, you have Seattle and San Fran. And you even might have a sneaky little uh, Arizona team trying to sneak in for a wild card berth. And because they can can score with anybody with that offense they have now. And on top of that, you also have Chicago and Green Bay up north. Even though I think Green Bay is going to regress a lot this year. So... We're looking at a over-competitive, like, we may see Brady not make the playoffs, or we may see Aaron Rodgers not make the playoffs, or Russell Wilson. And it's going to be insane, because it looks like the East versus West of three years ago with the NBA. Well, in his defense, Aaron Rodgers is used to not making the playoffs. Oh, shot down. Yeah, that was an elite move right there, getting Devin Funches. Hey, we have a receiver who's not known for his burning breakaway speed. Let's go get another big physical route runner. Great idea. Hey, at least they have not top five receiver Devontae Adams. Exactly. Not as good as Stephon Diggs. I honestly, though, I, I thoroughly think Stephon Diggs is better than him. No, oh, 100%. I, if I were starting a franchise, you said you could have any wide receiver. I would not take out of them. Even if I had six. All right, so if I'm going to do this right now, we're going to do this right now. So there's six receivers. Number one, still Hop. I think he could he could be good with any receiver. Two is Julio, with size, speed, red zone red zone presence, physicality, route running ability, hands. He hits the whole package. Safety Unfortunately, ability. he plays Matt Ryan, and he had a couple years of being injured. Three, Mike Evans. Now he's got the goat chucking the ball. It's going to be interesting. I want to see how he can adjust and not just going deep every time. 3A, because I have them tied, is Mike Thomas. Can't guard Mike. Big, physical, best route runner in the league. And honestly, just terrifying on third down. And at five, I have Stephon Diggs. 
because Diggs not only is an elite-level deep threat, he also runs just as good a route as Amari Cooper. Honestly, I look at Amari Cooper, I see a poor man, Stephon Diggs. I think, like, like if you, oh, here's the analogy. So if Diggs is a ZL1 Camaro, Cooper's an SS. It's one model grade down. Still great, just one model grade down. I, I think our lists are pretty similar. I have Hop at 1A, Jones at 1B, just because I think it really comes down to what year. It also comes down to what your offense is. Yes. Um, so for, and like, then, Philadelphia – Julio's better, but for New England, Hopkins is better. Yes, and then I'm trying to think what else. I, I, I would love it if we find out that Mike Evans can't run a route to save his life. Oh my God, be hysterical. I think that'd be hysterical. But I think right now I would still prop. No, I think two, three technically with one A one B three is Mike Thomas. Dude broke the receptions record. He's just so good at getting open. Four, four, I might have to go Cooper. Oh, see, I don't have him till uh, eight. See, just, yeah, it's a little bit of Alabama bias, but also, dude completely changed that Dallas offense. That's also because Dak basically was throwing the lawn chairs. And yes, but also, also, though, I still think Cooper's an elite wide receiver talent. He is too, but like the first eight guys on my list are elite. Because six, true. I have AJ Green, seven, OBJ, and eight, Amari Cooper. And then nine is Hopkins. I mean, nine is uh, Dick, um, Adams. Adams. Yeah. So then probably five, I'd probably put Mike Evans in there. Six, probably OBJ. Seven, AJ Green, just because he can't stay on the field. Yeah, that's actually, I'll, I'll swap those two. Because uh, honestly, I was thinking about him like, it's like AJ Green, but yet he still plays for the Bengals and he can't get on the field. So I'll put OBJ above him. Eight, Keenan Allen, because he can catch almost anything. Oh, uh, see, Keenan Allen's uh, 10A, 10A for me. Uh, I'm trying to think. What else? Who else can I put in front of Devontae Adams? Try Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. I'm going to bump down A.J. Green, put Tyreek Hill there, and then everyone else moves down one. And then Devontae Adams at whatever number I'm at now. Don't forget D.K. Metcalf. <laughs> the most broken receiver ever made. For those who don't know, me and Kevin had the two most broken receivers in Madden history. I had a overly powered Megatron-like DK Metcalf. Kevin had Deshaun Jackson 2.0 Tyreek Hill. Like, prime Deshaun Jackson. So basically, me and Kevin would light up a scoreboard if we played each other. It was fun. That was fun, just yeeting the ball downfield, seeing what happens. I think our total passing yards in that game was over 1,200 yards. Probably. It was insane. It was hysterical, but it was, ins- it was insane. So I think we both had quarterbacks with Bazooka, too. Yeah, it was Wentz and your guy... Uh, Tanner DeMarco. Tanner DeMarco, Clemson grad. <laughs> Which I hated. <laughs> you know, you could have gone in and changed that, right? I know, but like for the lore, I couldn't. So, last but not least, we have a couple... Kev, you got weird stuff for me today? I do, actually. Um, We already kind of touched on Dak's contracts. So we don't have to go into that, so rock and roll. All right, so... We're going to go back to, like, yesterday I mentioned, or the other day I mentioned, the Devin Booker dropping 70. Yes. We're going to go back to the history weird stuff. Kevin's weird history shit. And, and this is a shout-out to our boys at Puck This is a shout-out to our boys at Puck Puck Pass, uh, KJ and Zach Mack. It's a little hockey-related. Hey. In 1931, Boston Bruins coach Art Ross, who's... I think he founded the team, maybe. No, he did not, but he's a very important man in hockey. He became the first NHL coach to pull his goalie. Something we see at least once a night in hockey didn't happen for at least seven years of the Bruins' existence because they were founded in 1924. He pulled his goalie in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup semifinals against the Montreal Canadiens, and then the Bruins still lost. Still, listen, I never understood pulling. I get it's an extra guy down ice. Like, just maybe it's just because, like, oh my, no, my luck, I pull the guys and get scored on. But it is significant because you see that all the time in hockey now in desperation time. So, 
I mean, I, I think it's an important part. It's important to do because if you're close to a game, that ex, close to a win, that extra attacker can be the difference that you need to maybe score. And if you're going to lose anyway without that extra attacker, I think the potential of giving up an extra goal is worth it. All right. I mean, all right. <clears throat> and that was talking hockey. Yeah. Sorry for my Modelo virus. All right. Um, last call. Let's kick that smooth jazz. We actually are a little more of a somber and serious tone today. Um, you guys know I am a diehard Timberwolves fan. Um, one of my my favorite basketball player right now is a fellow, a man with New Jersey roots like me, played for uh, Minnesota and is a huge Eagles fan. It's Carl Anthony Towns. He uh, released an Instagram yesterday that, or two days ago, that his mother is in a medically induced coma due to complications with coronavirus, and his dad also has it as well, but his dad's recovering. Pray for my boy Carl Anthony Towns. He's one of the young stars of basketball. Um, it really sucks. It is a, this is a nasty disease, nasty virus. And, you know, I get it. Maybe you are pissed about how, you know, you can't go to the bar, can't go to the gym, whatever. I mean, like, you make do. Take, be appreciative of what you have for your family, your health, because my favorite basketball player who is five months older than Kevin and six months younger than me is possible looking at his mother, looking at his mother in a medically induced coma, which is a, a thing I would never wish on even my worst of enemies. So pray for Cat, pray for the town's family, and uh, stay safe and be and be cautious when you're out. Like today, I even wore gloves at the food store. I never thought I'd do that. But for the health of my family, I did it. So be safe out there, guys. This is going to be another couple months. Positive note, Mark Cuban was talking about the NBA season possibly starting up June, July-ish. So there is some optimism on the horizon, guys. There, this may actually be coming to a close on the horizon at some point. Right? So stay safe. Anything else, Kat? Uh, Kev? I have nothing else to add. Um, wash your damn hands. And uh, if you think you're sick, if you, even if you have a slight cold, stay home. Don't go out. Don't be a hero. Well, I feel like you'd be the villain at that point, but just be safe. We don't want to lose any listeners. <sighs> yeah. But also Trust just be you. safe for yourself. If you got elderly people you care about or young children in your life, you want to make sure you don't get them sick either. All right. Yeah. That wraps it up. We'll Way to end on a high note, Jared. What? Way to end on a high note, bud. Well, I have great news. Me and Kev are doing a weekend show for the next couple weeks. So on the weekend show, I'm going to break down this draft class. I'm doing a draft uh, mock draft tomorrow. Me and Kevin are going to tear it apart, and we're going to talk prospects because I know everyone's ecstatic about this draft because we want news, and like me and Kev's team, we don't know what the hell is going on. So, Jared's mock draft, it'll be done tomorrow. We'll be breaking it down this weekend. Look out for that show. Also, we might have a couple guests coming on soon. Also, some loyal fans are going to make a stop by as well. So, we're going to keep going content's going to keep coming give you guys something to listen to on your way to work or if you're just mowing the lawn or on the on the elliptical or going for a walk whatever you're doing stay safe out there guys see you on see you this weekend bye thanks for listening to the corner booth podcast be sure to check us out on instagram and on twitter at corner booth pod